For the next few weeks of Easter, we are going to be studying text out of the lectionary. Today's text is from chapter 5 of Revelation. And as we read our scripture today, we are on holy ground. Deep in the heavenly realms, with every creature represented, a picture of praise to our most high God. But before we read, let's review the scene. The book of Revelation is a vision given to John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, while he is exiled on the island of Patmos by the governing authorities around the year 95, exiled for preaching the good news of Christ. And the title Revelation comes from the Greek word for apocalypse, which means an uncovering, an uncovering of something which is not yet known. And the book is addressed to the seven churches in Asia where John had been ministering. And each of these local congregations received a message directed to them before the vision is given. Now this is a vision of the future in the heavenly realms, and much of it, of course, is difficult for us to decipher. Most of the time when we read scripture, we're trying to understand the cultural and political and geographical past in its context. But Revelation is different as it describes a whole other realm in a future time we have not yet experienced. This book is about judgment and grace for those who remain faithful to Christ through tribulation and persecution. And while some of it is very murky, and I know scary for us sometimes, the overall message is that we have a God who at the end of earthly time is the same God as he was in the beginning, intimately involved in the lives of people and in all of creation, providing hope. Now, after the message to the churches, chapter 4 begins with John seeing a door to heaven opened before him. And all at once, he is in the throne room where there are living creatures worshiping the king without ceasing. And then in chapter 5, there is a scroll. And an angel asks, who is worthy to break the seals of the scroll and open it? And the angel says, there's no one. There's no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth who is able to open it. And this causes John to weep bitterly. And then one of the elders tells John, don't weep, don't cry, because the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of Jesse, has conquered and is able to open the scroll. So John turns to look to find this fearsome lion. And what he sees instead is a slaughtered lamb standing with seven horns that represent power and eyes that represent wisdom. And as the lamb takes the scroll, the living creatures and the elders who are holding the bowls of the prayers of the saints begin to sing a new song about how he is great and he has ransomed those from every tribe and language and people and nation. And this is where we pick up our text today. Revelation 5, starting at verse 11. 
Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They numbered myriads of myriads. A myriad here is 10,000. Myriad of myriads and thousands of thousands singing with full voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love it that the lectionary brings us into the glorious throne room of God at Easter. This seems right and good for us as the church because we spent 40 days of Lent leading up to the crucifixion and the resurrection and now we get to bask in the celebration of Jesus being raised from the dead. We have the opportunity to think and to give God praise for the wide-ranging ramifications of what the Lord has accomplished. If death cannot hold the Savior, then that means he is able to break every chain that humanity endures, every chain that creation has for all time. Nothing is impossible. That is great news. These are verses of uninhibited praise. This is a picture of humans and heavenly beings and living creatures from every part of the universe joining together in one chorus to sing to the lamb who was slain. The book of Revelation is a book of worship. There are over 15 hymns sung from the heavenly realms. Did you catch in verse 13 how every creature in heaven all under and above the earth and the sea will sing to Jesus. Listen to what Dr. Scott Hosey says from a 2015 commentary. The real capper comes when every last creature in the world, including those in the deepest oceans, likewise rise up to sing the doxology. You expect God's holy angels to sing a song to Jesus the Christ, but perhaps nothing so vividly shows the scope of our God's victory more than the fact that the eagles and the dolphins, the jaguars and the hummingbirds, the sandhill cranes and the elephants will also give the lamb honor and glory and praise forever and ever. Amen. We ourselves sing and praise these words. We have done that today. So let's think for a second about what these words mean, these adoration, this word, these words of adoration for Christ. All power belongs to him. Jesus said, all authority belongs to me in heaven and on earth. All wealth. Jesus has all wealth, but made himself poor for our sake. All wisdom my sister reminded me this week that even as a junior high kid, Jesus had wisdom and was growing in stature. All might. Paul tells us to be strong in the might of the Lord. Jesus has all honor. All, every knee will bow in heaven and earth. Glory. John says we beheld his glory full of grace and truth and we sing blessing to our God. This is an incredible passage. 
giving complete exaltation to Jesus, magnifying his name without pretense or shame or embarrassment. We join with the multitudes worshiping, not just on earth, but in the throne room of heaven. We have such an earthbound perspective, but we are drawn to the glory. We are drawn to the reverence of the Lord. And every time we sing, every time we give praise, every time we pray or worship God with all that we are, we join the unending chorus of heaven. But the context of what we study today is vital, especially the part where John expresses grief about how there is no one worthy to open the scroll. It's not clear what is written in the scroll. There are many theories for our purposes today. We are going to say with certainty that the scrolls contain sacred truth and that breaking the seals on them was necessary for the further uncovering of God's holy revelation to be complete. There's a reason why John weeps as if the fulfillment of God's plan is going to stop right there when no one comes forward. And the emphasis is not on what is in the scrolls, but on how there was no one worthy enough to open them. And the reason why this is important is because without this sorrow, there's no real cacophony of praise when the lamb comes forward to retrieve the scroll, is there? So let's stop here because this is something in Revelation we understand. This part is not murky. This is clear. John experienced a moment where everything seemed lost. He looked around and believed that there was no one who could help. And he wept. When we get inundated by the tragic state of our world, when we have existential moments where it seems that no one can really rescue humanity from ourselves, we weep. We look and we see the futility of everything and how our collective human wisdom and education and action doesn't bring true change or accomplish quite enough. And we get overwhelmed. And our personal sorrows wear on our souls. All of us, each of us, have grief and pain that we have brought in here today. We did not all voice them, but every day we ask for mercy from the Lord. And when it all adds up, we can wonder where God is. How are we supposed to trust and hold on to something that we cannot see? You see, this is a passage about who is worthy to save us, who is worthy to save the world. And we think of worth in human terms. We think of what is good enough for our time, what is worth our money, what is worth our affection. We use worth as a measurement to ascertain if something is of value to us. We elevate people that we think are worthy, who have achieved greatness in a field or a sport that we admire. Truthfully, our idea of worth is bound up in a world that has a broken lens, that's not accurate, because it's based on what is temporary and glittering and subjective and selfish in our own human understanding. But this passage cuts to the heart of who we are and what we worship. 
In John's time, the Roman emperors were celebrated by an adoring public who were trained to chant, you are worthy, you are worthy, every time they saw them. But at the center of this beautiful chorus of worship in Revelation 5 is the Lamb. The center is the Lamb who still bears the scars from being slain. So here we are confronted with the counterintuitive nature of our faith, that Jesus defeated sin and death not by his might, but by his submission. And we know better. We know better than to expect the rescue that we want to happen with power and scheming and great might, because here is Jesus, the perfect, sinful, sinless, innocent, humble, blameless lamb. There is only one who is worthy to take the scroll and open it. And even John, even John, who saw Jesus after the resurrection, forgot, forgot for a moment about the Savior, who is able, the only one able, to move God's plans fully accomplished into eternity. So when we come to communion, we recognize that just as the blood of the Passover lamb delivered the Israelites from slavery and death, so it is Jesus' blood that saves us. And we say thanks be to God for this undeserved gift. And when we receive the body and the blood today, we are affirming that Jesus is the only one who can bring true change and transformation and healing and redemption and grace and forgiveness and purpose and resurrection and life to us. Only God can restore the creation that he himself has made. He is the only one worthy. He is the only one capable of defeating the death and the sorrows that we face here. And he asks that we bring our griefs and the things that make us cry. The situations where we think all is lost, where nothing seems possible and no one can make a difference. In communion, our hopelessness is turned to thanksgiving because we trust in the lamb who was sacrificed and who is worthy of all of our life and all that we can give. And we bow down to the one who alone is worthy of us surrendering what we think is worthy, of us surrendering our will and our life to him. And then we recognize again because we forget that it is in Jesus' great love that we find our worth. If we wonder what our worth is. Communion is a sacrament, a sacred moment where people who want to honor God receive the death of Jesus for what we ourselves were meant to endure. And so today I encourage you to ask the Lord to be honest with him about what this sacrifice is worth to you. Eating the bread and drinking the juice is a commitment to honor the lamb above everyone else in our lives. And receiving the elements is an affirmation that there is only one who is worthy and capable to meet the pain in our hearts and the needs of our world. So let's come in full trust and worship to the one who is on the throne. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.